You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. In Braves country, we are so excited for you to meet our new proud sponsor, Billy Reed. Now, Billy is an award-winning fashion designer who is redefining global style from his home base in the Shoals in Alabama. He is also a diehard baseball fan who grew up cheering on the Braves, and he offers a line of Atlanta-inspired hats, t-shirts, and accessories that embody the soul of our city. Billy and his team craft luxurious, made-in-the-USA shirts, denim, and more, all with a timeless modern style that will have you wearing them again and again. Experience them for yourself at his two Atlanta shops, one in Buckhead and one at provisions or discover them online at billyreed.com that's billyreed r-e-i-d.com Hello again, everybody. Welcome to Behind the Braves, presented by Billy Reed, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast from MLB.com. Virtually alongside my partner, Greg McMichael, director of Braves Alumni Relations, and also virtually aside, our pal and now recurring guest on Behind the Braves. This is You're in rare company, rare air, Bo. Uh, there's not been many people who have been returned guests so far. So Mark Bowman from MLB.com. Is joining us here today, and uh, first of all, Bo, how how are you doing here amidst uh, the current, uh, well, the current state of things? So, is this virtually a first or really a first? It's virtually a first, and I I don't know. I think so far I kind of prefer the virtual to the the really the first. This is it's nice having some distance between us. We see each other too much during the season as it is. That's right. You know, it's um, you know we're we're all getting by. We all heard. Um, what Alex and Freddie Freeman said last night uh, during the at-home opener, you know, I thought the Braves did a great job with that. Um, look, I mean, we, we all have to practice social responsibility right now, and, and you know, I think that uh, we don't know exactly what's going to happen, when things are going to start, but at the same time, I think we can all make ourselves better, and, um, you know, hopefully we, we, we're even a stronger society when we come back. Um, you know, maybe this unifies us. Maybe so. Maybe so. It actually has me wanting to like, like, actually, I can't wait to actually see you and have to talk to you at the game day. So that must be a sign of unity. <laughs> if, <laughs> if I'm yearning to hang out with you No, I'm kidding, Bo. I love you. And I, I can't wait to see you guys in person, but thankfully for technology, we can, uh, we can still make this happen. And we're here today specifically to talk about uh, something we're doing over on the brave social channels. I know Bo's writing some articles about this and and we wanted to have him on to talk about this we're throughout the month of april we're going to be uh, revisiting and live streaming some braves classic games and bo having been longtime beat writer for uh for mlb.com covering the braves he was at a lot of these games <clears throat> 
I have memories from a lot of these games as a fan, and Greg has memories either connected to his playing days or probably as a fan as well. So we thought we would kind of kick off the Braves Classics. When this this episode comes out, it's going to be on the day of the first Classic game in April. That's the Jason Hayward game uh, when he made his Major League debut, homered in his first at bat. Actually, I think homer. I think it was his first swing in the majors. If I'm not if I'm not third, mistaken. Third yeah. Swing. yeah. So uh, first swing. Yeah. Third pitch. Yeah. Third pitch first swing right okay yeah that's correct so we thought it'd be fun to have Bo on here and all three of us talk about it sam wallace who does a great job he and carolyn over at the, the braves uh museum and hall of fame they handle ballpark tours sam sent us a bunch of uh, information about these games as well so i want to shout out him for uh, for all that hard work uh, and he and carolyn do such a great job so we need to have them on at some point too which we will do that at some point here sometime this season probably um but anyways well let's just get right into it then uh we'll go with Bo. we'll get your memories first of all and then we'll go over to greg um the jason hayward game uh 2010 what do you remember about that that day the lead up to it i remember as a fan there was a whole lot of build-up uh to his debut that it started long before that day in april of 2010 but what are your what are your memories of that game yeah i mean i think you know we can go back all the way to 2007 the day he was drafted a guy that you know here's one of the the top guys available in that year's draft I think that's when the, the waiting began. You know, fans were getting excited about, you know, not only do you have this great hometown prospect, um, but, you know, he, he's from just 20, 20 to 30 minutes away from Turner Field. Um, obviously, his his stock continued to rise. He was the pro- top prospect in the game. And throughout spring training, he, you just had a sense he was going to be on that opening day roster. They weren't going to try to – to wait the two to three weeks and, and buy an extra year. This was Bobby Cox's final year. Uh, you know, Frank Wren was, was said, you know, look, we, we've got a team that can win this year. Uh, they weren't going to, to uh, push it back. And, and just the excitement in the stadium that day, you know, uh, you've always got a packed, packed house. You've always got a packed press box, but everybody, Buddy was there, you know, to to see what was going to be a, a incredible debut, and um, you know, I, I think you know before we get into specifics of this, I think you know, ask Greg, what was that like? Even thinking when Andrew Jones was coming, you know, what would you know? Can you compare the two? Uh, was there that much buildup regarding prospects in 1995 or 1996? I should say. Yeah, it's kind of interesting because Andrew came on the scene late. But, you know, of course, we hear all the talk about it. But, I mean, think about it. I mean, our team was so dynamic. We were so good. We're winning. We're doing all kinds of things. And and sometimes you think about, okay, this kid's great. Where's he going to fit in? I mean, we've got we've got just all-star after all-star around here. And and as long as you're winning, you know, things are, are going to continue to get better. But, yeah, we, we heard the talk about Andrew uh, for a couple years and, and knew that he's special. But, of course, we, we couldn't have imagined that he would come up and made a splash that he actually did. Yeah. I mean, I, I think something you said there I hadn't thought about was, you know, during those years, they were winning every year, and you're thinking, where is he going to fit? You knew Jason Hayward was going to fit as a key figure in this lineup. And, and you know, I, I, I just – you know, we go back to how that game started. I think Derek Lowe gave up a two or three home, two two or three run homer in the first, and and then all of a sudden the Braves come back back and they explode on Carlos Zambrano. Um, 
and, and just go ahead and and um, the moment was set. And Hayward comes to the plate and two zero count, and then like we said, first swing gone. And you'll hear people say that was the loudest moment they they've ever heard at Turner Field. Others will say Eric Kensky's homer. Um, I can tell you that you know what happened after Hensky's homer has made Hayward's homer much more memorable. It was a, <laughs> a great experience. And, you know, you, you got into it that you had all these people from uh, Henry County uh, had come up to, to see Jason, including his, uh, one of his former teachers who was, had a son who had played with Jason. He had been involved in a fatal car accident um, a year or two before. And it was, it was just a great story. It, it was the, it was the perfect start to, you know, you know this prospect's career and also a very memorable season. Bobby Cox's last as a Braves manager. Yeah, I tell you, there was. I remember. I want to say that when Hayward was drafted in 07, I could be wrong about this. Um, I thought that that was the first time any part of the draft was mm-hmm. televised, and this is pre MLB Network's launch. But I thought maybe ESPN or somebody might have broadcast the first round. I could be wrong, but I do remember somewhere keeping up with with when the Braves drafted Jason Hayward. It was a big deal that night because he was a local guy, and and I hadn't thought of it that way, uh, Bo. That's a great point. Thinking back that that buildup really started that that dra- that day in 2007 when the when he was drafted. Uh, some things I remember about that day: uh, my my twin sisters had gotten home from school in time to watch the game, and we, I was watching it here where I am right now, actually hunkered down in quarantine. Um, at my parents' house, and when he hit that home run, all three of us like were jumping up and down the living room. Uh, I believe I mentioned this when we had Chip Carry on behind the Braves. I still think that's Chip's signature call. That welcome to the show. He just he nailed it, and I think that was that's. I still get get the chills when I hear that call. I think it's the best call he's ever had. Um, mm-hmm. Granted, I'm not as familiar with his Cubs days, but I, I think that that call was great. Um, the Hayward tents. I think it was that spring, right, Bo, at, at Disney. Yeah. The Hayward tents yeah. where he'd, he'd hit somebody's car with a home run out in the parking lot. So that kind of built the legend a little bit more, right? That they're having to put up tents over cars in the parking lot because this yeah. this this 20-year-old is blasting these these home runs that are ruining people's cars. Um, <laughs> some some notes from Sam that I thought were uh, were pretty cool that I'd forgotten about. I had forgotten Hank threw out the first pitch that day, uh, Hank Aaron, and that Jason or Hayward was his catcher. I would completely forgotten about that. Here's a couple of things, Ricky. That yeah. You have. So he, Hayward was, at that point in time, he was the fifth youngest player to ever a homer on opening day. Bryce Harper has since mm-hmm. um, done so at a younger age. So Hayward still stands as the, the sixth youngest. Many Braves fans might remember this. He homered again on opening day the next year, so he's also the 19th youngest right now. So he's the only he's the only guy to have uh, two spots within the top 20 youngest players to homer on opening day. Um, Orlando Cepeda and Eddie Morgan were the only other two players 21 years or younger to homer on opening day while making their major league debut. Hayward and Morgan both did so in their first plate appearance it's uh you know it it was uh it was a special moment and it was a historical moment it was you know something something we didn't see a lot of but i was looking at how many guys had homered uh in their debut on opening day i think it's 12 well we saw 
Kaz Matsui do it against Russell, Russell Ortiz in 2004, but we also saw Jordan Schaefer do it in 2009. So, yeah, 2009, Schaefer does it, and then Hayward does it the, the next year. Um, so it, uh, you know, we saw, you know, at least a, a quarter of those within a span of six years there. If you were watching the Braves every day, I was watching the Braves uh, every day, and I watched all three of those. I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> all I gotta say, there's too many home runs going on. I don't know what's us all about, but uh, <laughs> my 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 impressions. I'm watching Zambrano pitch. Is he made some really good pitches? I mean, you think about it, he shatters McCann's bat and. Um, you know, Escobar hits a 20 hopper up the hole. I mean, this guy can't chipper bloops one in. I mean, this is like this one of those nightmares feels for the pitcher. I can't help feel, feel bad because he's just you get, you're waiting for this guy to explode at any point, and then he makes two decent pitches to um, to Hayward first that most guys have been jam, jamming themselves on, and then he just you see him just like all right, he just throws it right down the chute, and he just <laughs> drills it out to out to right field. But um, you know, whenever I watch some of these classic games and think about. These most Braves history. Obviously, you know, I think about where I was, what I was doing. I just pitched the Braves on uh, creating the Alumni Association uh, in March. And so I'm very interested again in watching what's going on and who the players are. And I think about, you know, Martin Prado being on that team and Tommy Hansen, you know, um, and obviously McCann was there, Chipper and and uh, Hudson and, and Billy Wagner. So all these guys that are on the team, we had, we just had a great, a great group. And, and one of the things I think about at the time was that the Braves already had Frank Coor, McCann, two hometown heroes, and now they've drafted another kid. And now he's getting ready to, he's making his major league debut. I, I think that's pretty special. You don't see that. I don't, I've not really seen it around the big leagues where the hometown team has that that's so many good prospects that they've able to bring them up to the big league team. I know Atlanta has been such a hotbed for talent over the years with East Cobb and, and now see that all come to fruition and you get three guys on the same team that were from and around Atlanta. It just gave the, the fans a lot to root for. It definitely did. Go ahead. Go ahead, Bo. It was a, it was an incredible team. I'd, I'd have to say it was the favorite team I, you know, of the 19 or 20 that I've covered. I, that was my favorite year. Hmm. I, and I even a couple years ago, we were, uh, I was covering the Cubs and Nationals uh, division series and Hayward came out of the dugout and we're talking and David Ross came over and we we're just reminiscing about that year. It was, it was a special year, a special team with a lot of great guys. It, there was, there was, we all know, you know, about, you know, McCann and, and Huddy and, and, and Chipper and, and how many great guys, you know, iconic figures in franchise history that were uh, on that team. But, you know, one thing I think I really learned that year was Martin Prado's value in that clubhouse. He truly did unite everybody. I mean, you yeah. know, you, you, you may have natural factions here and there. Martin Prado was united everybody and it truly was one of my my favorite teams i've i've ever been around mm. he's one of the guys i'm i'm uh, sad to say that we lost too early yeah 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 that was uh that was one that uh frank wren that was never a huge martin prado fan 
you know, so it, uh, it, it, I don't think he never saw the same value that others saw in, in Martin. And, uh, but, uh, one, one more tidbit about that game, one more reason from a historical standpoint to watch that. The 16 run, the Braves ended up winning 16 to 5. I don't want to give a spoiler, you know, spoiler <laughs> alert there. But uh, the 16 run scored that day. It's the fifth most by any team on opening day in Major wow. League history. And so uh, there's been quite a few opening day games. That's It was yeah. it was a unique day in many different ways. I will say this, too. Uh, the Cubbies took it on the chin again. <laughs> we, we, they were good to us for a long time. <laughs> they certainly were. Well, I have one more tidbit, again, from Sam Wallace that I had forgotten about this. So uh, Hayward wore, wore number 71 in spring training. The Braves didn't officially announce what number he would wear until opening day. So, of course, we know he wore 22. But the retail stores at the stadium couldn't sell his jerseys until it was an official game. So fans were waiting in line in the fifth inning to be one of the first people to grab a uh, a Hayward jersey, which was kind of a, a neat uh-huh. little note. One more thing about that 2010 team, just so I'm making sure that I'm not remembering this wrong. That was the year of Troy Gloss being the first baseman and being like MVP for like six weeks around May, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, Babe Ruth. He was Babe Ruth for six weeks. That, that six-week stretch, <laughs> I remember that. The guy was on fire for six weeks. That was, that was amazing. It's, and, you know, and I think the other thing about that game is the the guy who ended up being the Braves' first baseman at the end of the year was the Cubs' first baseman on opening day. Oh, Derek okay, Lee. yeah. Derek, Derek Lee, yeah. Lee, that's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. we'll, we'll have to compare the numbers of uh, Riley, Austin Riley, last year during his stretch and Troy Gloss and see which one uh, had a better six weeks. That's a good comparison. It is. <laughs> You know, just from memory, it, it seemed very similar. And, it, mm-hmm. and from my memory, they happened around the same time, too. May, May-ish, in that, that stretch. But I could yeah. be wrong on that. But Yeah. Well, cool. That's that's So that's what we're going to kick off this Brave Classic series with. Again, the day this episode is coming out, you can you can check in on the uh, the Brave social channels for that, as we're going to do with all these games. So that moves us on to the next one, which a few people might remember, uh, 1974. If you don't remember or you weren't there, you weren't born yet, uh, like some of us, uh, You've still probably seen the replay a number of times. Hank Aaron breaking Babe Ruth's record, uh, April eighth, nineteen seventy four. Uh, I mean, there's there's so many different ways to go with this. I'll I'll just real quick, Bo, before I throw it to you, I'll just to give every folks a preview on what we're doing with this on Brave Social. Um, talk about geeking out i got sent some old footage from from the broadcast that night and unfortunately at least to this point we haven't been able to find the entire broadcast that's what i was hoping for but i did get sent a just a reel of a bunch of different random clips presumably all from that broadcast or at least from that era that were all on this reel it's like an hour and a half of footage some of it was not related to hank there's <laughs> there was one shot of a guy in the control room from that i don't know if it was the broadcast that night or when from the 70s the guy there's just a shot of a guy in the control room. He's just picking his nose. So that would not make the final. <laughs> I'm sorry, Braves country. You're not going to get to see that clip. Um, I cut that out. Uh, but but what's really cool is you're going to see some some uh, maybe an old commercial that was shot then involving Atlanta Fulton County Stadium. You get to see some interviews with pitchers that Hank had homered off of. Uh, mm-hmm. That old school Monday Night Baseball NBC like theme and intro that that that's in there. And what I think is really cool. And again, I'm just doing this for the folks who are avid bra- behind the Braves listeners who are checking this out. We're not going to preview this anywhere else. The footage we have from the broadcast that night from Hank hitting the home run 
on, it's actually the, the footage without any of the broadcasters or commentators on it. So you're going to hear all the crowd noise. You'll hear the, mm. the sound of the bat and the glove and all of that. But it's kind of set up when you're watching this, it kind of feels like you're in the ballpark watching it. So I'm really anxious and excited for y'all to get to see this. This is going to be something that most fit folks haven't seen. I think Braves fans and baseball fans, we've all seen the Hank hit that home run. We've seen the replay of it you know a thousand times and we've heard the different calls of it we've heard vin scully's call of it than the the call that most of us have heard you know he's done it that thing but this is a kind of a different angle on it which i'm pretty excited about so excited for y'all to see that but bo take it away hank hitting uh, hank breaking the record what do you think you know obviously I'm, I'm with you ricky i i was uh i was in my mother's womb at the time from what i my memories of this game or or what my dad uh tells me i guess he rushed home from work she wanted to go to the grocery store he rushed her through the grocery store she still hasn't forgiven him here 45 <laughs> years later uh but you know it was a big moment you know the nation needed to see it i you know i i you know, everyone knows exactly what happened that night with Hank hitting the home run. I, I think the one thing that stands out is all these years later, we'll always know number 714 and 715 have seen, you know, we know exactly what that means. I, I wonder how many people listening really know how many homers Barry Bonds ended up with. You know, it, it, it just it was such a. Uh, incredible record. Nobody was going to beat Babe Ruth, uh, Babe Ruth's record. And, and then, of course, Hank does it. Um, you know, just, it just, it was, it's one of the most iconic moments in sports history. And, and to kind of give you a, an idea of how significant this record was, the night he broke that there, April 8, 1974. So he's got 715 homers at the time. Babe Ruth had 714, and Willie Mays had 660. No other player in history at that point in time had hit more than 552 home runs. Wow. Yeah, think about that. I mean, it's it, that, that's why this was... <clears throat> You know, so significant, and you know, from a uh, you know social uh, standpoint, it was significant that it happened in the the South, and and you know, it it it, it truly, uh, I, I think, you know, we all see all the numbers of if he hadn't hit, uh, you know. All any home runs, he still would have had three thousand hits. Hank Aaron was a great player, you know, above and beyond. He would have always been remembered by this. But to, you know, here he is. I, I think this was the moment that that um, fittingly was bestowed upon him. That that uh, you know, baseball will always remember. I I, yeah. I think people still get a lot more joy out of watching that moment than they do whenever uh, Barry broke broke Hank's record. Yeah. You know, um, Bo, I, it's hard to imagine what that's like. You know, it's, it's one thing to play in the big leagues for 25 years. It's another thing to play, you know, I mean, you're playing baseball your whole life, but, but to swing with that kind of intensity, I mean, his just – be, to be healthy, uh, obviously, is a big deal. I mean, we watch sports every day. We watch the big leagues. There's guys going the DL left and right, and 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 just to, the amount of strength it takes and the endurance, uh, and just 
the ability, you know, some people just get tired of dealing with all the stuff that you got to deal with in the big leagues, whether it's the media or the travel or the toll it takes on your family. But for, you know, for Hank to do what he did, it's amazing that he hit those many home runs, but it's amazing that he stayed healthy long enough. And then, and then we know all the backstory of what happened behind the scenes and the hate mail and, and all the stuff that he got from people who didn't want him because of, you know, with the civil rights movement going on. And uh, a lot of people didn't want him to break a white man's record and all that kind of stuff. So that that's just there's just a bunch of it there. What what strikes me is when I watch, I, I see so many of these great alumni that were unbelievable teammates. And of course, you know, we know Dusty Baker was a was kind of a was being mentored by by Hank, and and he was there. I think he was on deck, wasn't he? Uh, yes. Yep. When Hank, hit, yeah. So Dusty, I remember sitting down talking with him, and then guys like Buzz Capra and Ralph Gar and and Sonny Sonny Jackson, um, and then you know. You got uh, Vic Carell and and Marty Perez, who who's a bu- golf buddy of mine here that's that lives in Atlanta. So it, it it's great to see these historic and classic games. And I'm one of the reasons why I'm looking forward to it is I want to see all these guys play. Ron Reed and Jamie Easterly, guys that uh, that. I, we've not seen play, so I'd love to get, see some of this great footage of these guys. And and I know we all get to see the uh, the picture of Hank hitting the home run and running around the bases. Uh, it was funny to see when he got to home plate. I think I saw Craig Seeger. Uh, there, the the sports writer, Craig Sager. Yep, yeah, Craig, Craig Sager. I'm sorry, Craig Sager. I saw Mr. B. He looks so young and dashing. <laughs> saw Mr. B there, and yeah. then uh, of course, you know, all of Hank's family, Billy, and everybody. Right, um, they're all there, and uh, just amazing sight. But I still, and I know there's been articles written about this, and you may know about this, both the the two guys who follow him around the bases. One of them was a is an orthodontist or a, a dentist in I South Georgia. Yeah, 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 and I just can't—I can't imagine why he didn't turn around and slug one of those guys because uh, unless he saw them coming and he knew they were just fans, but that—that uh, that would have spooked me a little bit. <laughs> no doubt, no doubt. And, you know, Greg, to kind of—you have a link to this game. One of these like six degrees separation. So long after Hanks hit his home run, uh, the a twenty-six-year-old. Charlie Huff comes in to pitch for the Dodgers. He pitches the final two innings, okay? And I don't know what career number of appearances was against the Braves at that point in time, but he made his last career appearance against the Braves on June 30th, 1994. And the last Braves he faced was Lemke, and you pitched the final inning of that. That went over that day. I remember Charlie Huff, Florida Marlins. <laughs> Think about that. A guy that, that pitched in that game 20 years later, he was still pitching. But uh, I, believe, I couldn't believe he was even walking when I saw him <laughs> pitch. He looked, oh, my gosh, he was old. I was like, <laughs> it must have been what Necro was like when he was still pitching in his, what, was 50 years old? <laughs> his first, first brave he ever faced was Cleet Boyer. And the last was Mark Lemke. <laughs> hey, we, we forget about this, too. Eddie Matthews was the manager. Yeah. He yeah, was the right. manager, at least for the first part of the season. And I, I like the backstory of them being starting out in Cincinnati. And the commissioner is at uh, Bowie Goon or whatever. Yeah. He, he tells they're not going to play him until he gets to Atlanta. Eddie Matthews isn't going to put him in the lineup. He tells me he has to. He makes some comment like, if you want to put him in the lineup, you come down here and you write him in the lineup then. 
he did play all three games in Cincinnati, which was amazing, where he hit one of the home runs. Tied, yeah. tied in Cincinnati, right? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. One of my this is just a minor tidbit, but my little favorite kind of trivia thing about Hank hitting that home run is of course he was at that point in his career, Hank was a uh, pretty much a dead pull hitter i think most of the time and so of course he hits that homer and it lands in the braves bullpen in left field the dodgers left fielder who climbed who climbed the fence like in an effort to to uh to catch it uh, do y'all i Bo is nodding his head so i think he knows who it is greg do you remember who that was that dodgers left fielder um bobby valentine i don't know Bo, who is it <laughs> Bill Buckner. Bill Buckner. Oh, Bill Buckner. Yeah. Wow. That's just yeah. one of those. Talk about being in, uh, of course, he's uh, the great, the late Bill Buckner is, is I think, unfortunately known for uh, for the mishap in the 86 World Series. But isn't it interesting that he's in uh, two memorable moments in baseball history? And granted, wow. he's not a big part of the Hank one, but, but uh, he is part of that footage, that, that, that highlight we've seen a zillion times. That's Bill Buckner climbing that fence and left, which I always thought was kind of just an interesting little. Little, little thing. Bo, Bo mentioning the six degrees of Greg McMichael there kind of made me think of that because that's uh, <laughs> two things that are connected there. Um, better, better than chain link fences in the big right. leagues. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, I'm again, I'm not sure what all is going to actually make the final cut of what goes on this live stream. Um, I do know, I'm not sure if this is in the final cut. I, I, th- I think there's footage at least of the first inning and Hank's first at bat in which he walked and the crowd was booing every ball that he got of course uh, and he walked and I think he ends up scoring on a Dusty Baker hit and yeah. uh, so that footage exists so I hope I'm not sure if that's going to make the final cut or not I hope it does because I think it's it's kind of cool but uh, but we'll see but either way that'll be April 8th next week and that'll be a fun day uh, we're, we're going all out on Brave Social for that day to celebrate Hank and uh, hitting 7:15. so okay well, let's let's move on to uh, two th- let's, let's fast forward to 2012 uh, April 10th 2012 this of course chipper jones had had announced in spring training that this was going to be his final season 2012 and he made his debut on uh april 10th so bo maybe you can fill me in here i don't remember off the top of my head i guess was chipper rehabbing something or had an injury that was nagging him or did he just start late or what happened there do you remember well you know, when it came to uh, some people might have just started learning about social distancing. <laughs> Chipper was social distancing from minor league rehabs long before <laughs> <I came here. laughs> Yeah. <laughs> he, hey, look, there were he had to go on a few in his career, but by that time he was he said no. So anyhow, he like you said, he announced his retirement right there around March 24th, I believe. Had knee surgery uh, within the next three or four days. He went to New York, I think. You know, they, they started the season in New York. Uh, if if he wasn't there that whole series, we saw him the first day we were back in Houston, or when we got to Houston. He worked out that day, said he was ready. Freddie put him in the – Freddie Gonzalez put him in the sixth spot of the lineup, and Chipper once again proved he can – he can hit just rolling out of bed. He can roll out of bed and, and start hitting. Um, he had a single in his first at bat and, and then homered uh, there in his second at bat with his parents in attendance. They, they were living down at the, uh, the family's ranch in southwest Texas uh, at the time. And, uh, you know, just to see the tears in their eyes, knowing how, once again, it, it's one of those – fitting moments, you know, for, for him to, to start his final season, uh, with, 
you know, the, yet another um, great memory. And uh, I, like I said, there, there are two guys that, that I kind of feel, you know, you always hear about needing to get your timing and that kind of stuff. Chipper and Freeman, they, they do not need many at bats. You know, it, it's uh, it was one of those things where um, I know everybody's different. How many at bats do you need during spring training? With those guys, you're talking 10 to 15, uh, and probably Chipper even more than than Freeman. He he uh, he just was probably the best hitter I'll ever cover. Yeah, it's one thing when you are extremely talented that you can overcompensate for some things that maybe are you know that affect your swing. But when you've got a perfect swing and you're super talented, you're right. You can just roll out of bed. And you can you can hit just about anything. And you know, Chipper was that way. We noticed it from the very beginning. I was there the first time I saw him in spring training the year that he was gonna make the team in ninety-four and he blew his knee out. And um, you know, we saw he's just a young kid, but um but you could just tell he had the talent, but then his swing, there wasn't a whole lot that was gonna go wrong with it. Yeah. The only thing that could go wrong with him would be between the ears. And he seemed like he was he was a pretty tough, you know, tough-headed kid and and uh, just loved to play and, and uh, wanted to learn how to get better. And so I'm not surprised his farewell tour, you know, his last year. And what was sad for me is that, you know, obviously in 2010, we saw Bobby's farewell tour, right? And, and so we experienced that and we know how, you know, emotional that was and what a great career he had had and then we turn around and two years later now we're you know we're going through that with chipper uh which was kind of fitting that he um you know they went out sort of the same time but but uh yeah i'm not i'm not surprised anytime i as i watched some of the highlights from that season he just it was the same swing same swing and it was you know sometimes most of the time it was the pitcher making a mistake but then there's also those times where you know he was setting up the pitcher he had he'd been around he knew he was waiting on a certain pitch you know and that was great hitters would do that they would take away one part of the plate you know say okay you can pitch me in if you want to try to get me out but uh but i'm gonna wait on that pitch away and he might wait three at bats for it you know, and then he would get it, but he had some big at bats that whole, that whole season and some big hits. Yeah, no doubt. It was a, you know, like I said, it was a, a great start to a memorable season. He can make, went to the all-star game that year. And, um, you know, just, it, it was cool. Just, I, I think Biggio may have came, come out and given him a cowboy hat in Houston and just the, the different things, <laughs> the, the respect that he was shown and, you know, during that farewell tour was, was, was pretty good. Yeah, like you said, it was it was a fitting way to kick off his final season that he hit that home run. His parents were there. They were emotional. It, it was very cool to see. And really, it foreshadowed some things to come in Chipper's final season. Of course, I think a lot of us remember his last home run was a walk-off that September against Jonathan Papelbon in the Phillies. That was a great moment. I come back to, and maybe if if we're still doing some classic games in May, I would really like to, to do this one on May 2nd. I hope we do, uh, if, if that's in fact what we do. But uh, on May 2nd, was still it's one of the craziest games I've ever seen. The Braves-Phillies game. The Phillies went up 6 nothing. 
Braves score at eight unanswered to go up eight six. Then the Phillies go up twelve eight. Then the Braves go up thirteen twelve. Then the Phillies tie it in the top of the ninth off of Kimbrell. And then where the Braves, are the pitchers? They they, they just they they <laughs> took the night off. Yeah. Holy cow! And then Chipper won it on a walk off in the eleventh uh, against Papelbon. Uh, and to me, that's one of the craziest games I've I've ever seen. There was I was in the the. MLB fan cave for that one and somebody because this game had, had gotten so crazy we were all tuned into it and watching and then there was somebody in there it may, it may his name may have been uh, might have been Jay Tui might have been I want to shout him out if he's the one that filmed it because I think it is him that filmed it but he filmed me and my buddy Sean who was also a Braves fan in there with me he filmed us watching this game and we went nuts watching it and we were hugging and jumping up and down and yelling and all that stuff and I kind of felt like that that was kind of that the whole last season with Chipper was just one memorable moment after another, and that he kicked it off that way with a huge memorable moment in April was uh, w- was perfect. And by the way, let me shout out Sam Wallace again. Had I just looked at his notes at the beginning of this, he has it right here. Chipper had <laughs> meniscus surgery in spring training on March twenty on March twenty six. So that's that's that was why the delay. So shout out, to yeah. Sam. Yeah. Ricky. I'm glad you mentioned that May second game because it goes with something I can't remember if that was the first game of this series or not series but this uh, set of games so anyhow they had two big comebacks against the the Phillies during that series uh, they go to Colorado or maybe they just had the one there and, and, and they went to Colorado and had two games where they overcame five run deficits so the second time they did it Chipper had two or three hits that game, and he had had some words with Jamie Moyer, um, you know, because Moyer was, you know, turned around and said that you know, they were relaying signs and this kind of stuff. It was it was something minor. It wasn't going to be the big part of the story, but it was worth asking Chipper about. But I didn't have to ask Chipper because Chipper was <laughs> was was the best interview of all time, and then it was it, all I said was. Explain to me, you know, how this team's been able to overcome these five-run deficits, you know, three three out of the last four games or whatever it was. And he looked at me in that draw, and he said, you want to know why? This one's all on Jamie Moyer. <laughs> and it just became the Jamie Moyer story at that point in time. And basically, uh, I remember he, that. Lit, he lit the fuse, and we went and talked to – so – you know, I was the only one that got chipper that night, and I went upstairs and wrote my story. And uh, did you go talk to Jamie Moyer about well, it? No, well, that's what I want to say. He chipper took a while to come out of the shower, so he was gone by that point in time. As were most of the Rockies. This was a Saturday night, and so Sunday morning we come back. Obviously, my you know that story's out there, and uh, so we go to talk to Troy Tulowitzki and some of the other Rockies, and well. They had Chipper's back. They didn't have Jamie Moyer's back, <laughs> and Moyer wasn't Moyer wasn't talking. So, uh, wow. um, but yeah, it was. Uh, you know, there's nothing like covering Chipper. I mean, you know, just a uh, incredible talent, but it, it also just so much fun because you never knew what was coming out of his mouth, and and he was going to give you a good story more more often than not. Yeah, that's why I can't. Whenever we do get this season started up. Uh, I think myself and a lot of people are looking forward to Chipper in the booth uh, with ESPN on a regular basis because I don't think he's I, first of all I love his way of explaining things he's kind of like Smoltz in that vein that he's not only was he a great 
all-time player, but he's got the gift of explaining things on a broadcast in a way that a lot of guys just don't have that that gift. Uh, and also, he doesn't he doesn't hold back. I mean, he's going to tell you what he thinks. So if you follow him on Twitter, you probably know that. Um, <laughs> um, but uh, I'm looking forward to it. So one more one more Sam Wallace note here. Uh, the Braves had started that season, that 2012 season. I'd forgotten all about this. They started 0 and 4 without Chipper, and that was the first win that night. So that was uh, that was a big deal. Of course, they went on to make the get the wild card, and then and then uh, then came the infield fly game, which was you know whatever. But that the ending to that season to me didn't didn't do anything to to ruin the memory of, of his final season overall because it's just I think back on that season. There's so many more positives than there were than the that outweighed the negative end to me. Um, and th- you mentioned the All Star game, Bo. So I I was at the All Star game that year and seeing the a neutral crowd give Chipper that kind of an ovation was really cool. And uh, then I was at the infield fly game and he even got the ovation in his last at bat there. So uh, it, him he, it's a perfect way a perfect game for us to revisit is him kicking off that memorable final season of his career. Okay, we're going to uh, let's see our most no this is not our most recent uh, classic game but it's it's one of the more recent ones April fourteenth two thousand seventeen the first ever official game at Truist Park against the Padres. Um, there were just this. I think the, the anytime you open a ballpark, the memorable stuff is the first, all the first. And fortunately, you hope if it's the home team, you hope the home team has all of the first, or at least all the good ones, because <laughs> yeah. that can go sideways in a hurry if they don't. Um, from a personal side, I, and Bo, I'll let you you take over here. I, I just, for me, in working with the Braves, this would have been my third season, uh, 2017, where I no longer a fan, now working in the game. And so when I came aboard, there was still truest park was being built but it was still very much uh, there's still a lot of dirt still a lot of piles of dirt on the ground and it was still very much we were in the the bottom phase of it coming up and being behind the scenes and working with a lot of people who were planning for this and doing all the marketing and the build-up and the meetings at the little temporary preview center across the street that overlooked the building site and for me that night the firsts are memorable but the all of the hard work I saw from everybody behind the scenes and the years of planning and work that went into that. And Greg, I know you can speak to that too. You were there for all of that. Uh, that was really cool to finally see it kind of all come to fruition and all come together. Uh, that was, that's one of those nights I'm going to remember for a long time uh, or for the rest of my life, just cause yes, I'm glad the game went the way it did, but just to see it all actually come together, this thing we'd all been working together on for years was, uh, that was a special night. But Bo, what do you remember about the, the opening of Truist Park? Yeah, I mean, I think it, uh, you know, obviously it was a special moment. Everyone was looking forward to it. Um, the Braves began that season on a nine-game road trip. They went to New York and Pittsburgh and, and Miami before they ever came home. And, and I I don't remember exactly what Truist Park looked like before we left. It certainly wasn't completed. You know, we, we saw what, you know, as you, you drove by the, you know, 75, you could see it off there in the distance. You, you know, like you said, we went to the – uh, the, the center there that overlooked uh, what is it, left field now, and you you could kind of see it being built. I, I I just think we were all looking forward to, to seeing what this park looked like because, like you said, we were, we had been in spring training for six weeks, and then went on the road for um, nine nine games. Um, you, I, I, well, I, I'm sorry, I, I got that wrong. We, there were exhibition games, weren't there? There were a couple. Yeah. yeah so, we so we had a couple, actually we had a saw soft it. opening. Yeah, 
So, you know, um, but still, it's still, you were just looking for that official opening. And like you said, it's a, it's a night of first. And, you know, the one guy who had most of the first that night where it was Ender Enciarte they had the first out, uh, the first home run, um, first hit, first hit, first hit, but I think the unique thing about that game, I think the first runs were driven in both by the pitchers, right? Did did, did Chasin have the first RBI for the um, so Julio for the Braves? The first RBI on the, my list here that I have, it says Marquecas had the first RBI. Okay, 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 all right, mm-hmm. okay, all right. Well, then. Um, Anyhow, but both pitchers, I think, drove in a run that night. Um, but, yeah, it's just it's a celebration. I mean, you know, Turner Field was great, but this was going to be be something special, you know, with the battery and, and just, um, you know, something that truly was belonged to the Braves. And uh, um, you, you heard all the stories about how, you know, the, the weight room and how great the clubhouse was and, and everything. And everyone was looking forward to it and it certainly wasn't a night that, that disappointed yeah you know there there wasn't a whole lot of buzz the last couple of years at turner field uh just because they knew we were you know everybody knew we were moving and the team wasn't that great and and so i was excited to see to see exactly um, how everybody was going to respond because what we knew to be true, we were so fired up and all the hard work, like Ricky was talking about, that went into building this place. And we knew how special it was going to be to be able to have everybody come there and for them to get excited about it was pretty was pretty outstanding. And uh, the, I just remember, I can't wait for everybody to see what we built. And, um, and it just totally changed the vibe now. Obviously, that that year wasn't that great, but uh, the star of the show was clearly the new surroundings and the new stadium, the battery, and all the stuff that was going to happen. But it was it was something just that I'll never forget, just because I was involved in. I was a little bit involved in in the transition from Fulton County to Turner Field because I was there in 96 and we saw the Olympics and we saw the transition and they were getting our feedback. But I never was involved. I wasn't there on the team in 97 because I was I'd been traded to New York. But then to be able to experience going from Turner Field to uh, Truist, well, then SunTrust, now Truist, uh, was kind of uh, was pretty special. And I, I just I couldn't believe it being able to see that come to life and then that get the buzz back because the buzz had been gone and then to get everybody excited about uh, the Braves again and of course you never didn't expect that we would turn around the next year and, and have such an outstanding team but but uh, I think it's a it's a big tribute to Mike Plant was my boss at the time and he was very instrumental leading the charge on the whole construction thing and so I, I got to hear all the headaches and all the stuff that was going on with that and it was pretty pretty it's pretty a pretty remarkable feat what what the Braves pulled off yeah yeah and you know with with Bill Bartholomew uh, there's just so many great things you can think of but think about it, he he saw the opening of yeah Brave stadiums and yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty cool you know. it, opening day was always pretty special to be around Bill I mean it was even um he, he, he loved to just tell old stories and he had thousands of those and uh, I remember one time after I think maybe it was 2015 when they beat the the Marlins uh, 
on opening day. Boy, this this feels like a, a World Series win. Well, it didn't, but at the same time, you know what? It did to him. And, and it just that that genuine excitement that opening day or a home opener can feel. He uh, he was as good a baseball guy as oh. you know any of us will ever be around. He, he was awesome. Uh, he always knew my name. I mean, he didn't forget. I mean, I was around him a lot and alumni would come in he never would ask me hey who's that right there i mean jim nash said that he hadn't seen him in 20 years and he walked up to him and said hey jim how you doing wow. i'm like how in the world do you do that but yeah mr b was awesome i told you i got this i saw him on a clip from uh, hank aaron's you know uh 714 and or 715 when he hit the home run and uh, he was there but yeah sad that he's gone but uh what a what a tremendous man yeah, and I, whenever we do get the season started, I think that'll be we'll finally have the. Of course, we've done it on social media and all that, but when we have a a, a game with fans in the stands, we can do a proper tribute to Mister B at, yeah. uh, at Truist Park, and that'll be a a special moment and one of the many things I think. Um, well, I, I was I I would say we'll look forward to it. I mean, it it is sad that he's gone, but at the same time, when you can pay tribute to somebody that meant so much to not just an organization but a city. I mean, the city of Atlanta, what he what he did for the city. Yeah, it's going to be a special exactly. day, and it's something that we can uh, we can look forward to. Uh, yeah, so first game at Truist Park, uh, just to run through it. First pitch was Julio Tehran. First out was Ender. First hit was Ender. First extra base was Freddie. First RBI was Nick Markakis. First homer was Ender. First win, Julio Tehran. And the first save, anybody want to take a guess? Who was the first save at Truist Park? Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson. <laughs> <Yes>. Jim <laughs> Johnson was that is you are correct, sir. Yes. Uh, and I and uh, with that with that would have the- been a hard one. I don't know if I would have gotten that one uh, if I hadn't looked it up. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Old Jim Johnson. We got the save in that one. Okay. So moving on or moving backwards a few years, April seventeenth, two thousand eight. Uh, John Smoltz's final Braves win. And a little side note, also, uh, Chipper goes four for four with two home runs. Uh, that 2008, that was that, that was the year Chipper won the batting title, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, yeah. I could be wrong, but this is this game's obviously mainly notable just because uh, uh, Smoltz's Smoltz's final win as a Brave Bow. What do you uh, what do you remember about that game? You know, I, I guess you know, in terms of just remembering that game specifically, you, you don't know that it's going to be Smoltz's last win. Um, you, you know that uh, I don't even know that he was letting on how much his shoulder was bothering him at that point in time. Certainly wasn't showing from the results. He had ten strikeouts that night and ten strikeouts in his next start, and it was the the one following that in New York where you know his shoulder basically you know had, had, had enough at that point in time. Um, you know, I, I guess just specifically that evening, anything specific, I, I don't remember, but but looking back, once again, baseball has a way of, of creating uh, a fitting storyline right here with, with Chipper homering twice during Smoltz's last win as a Brave. They, uh, first time they were on the field together was September 11th, 1990, or I'm sorry, appeared in the same game together. Together was September 11th, 1993. Smoltz recorded his 71st win that night. Chipper made his debut, Major League debut, as a pinch runner in the eighth inning, and then played shortstop in the ninth inning of that win. Um, but it, you know, think about that. I mean, here we are. 
you know, Smoltz is 210th win. These guys are still teammates, and, and Chipper hits two home runs that night. Um, once again, like I said, it, it, this game, uh, it, it, whether it's the baseball gods or whatever, um, it, it just creates great stories like this for us um, on a frequent basis. Yeah, another, another thing I, I've always – um, I'm sad about is that Smolsey had to go away, you know, for that last year. He didn't get to he didn't get to close out his career as a Brave. And I know that to these guys that means a lot, whether it was Glavin or Smoltz or Chipper, that, you know, right now Chipper's the only one to play his whole career. I think that could have very easily been John and it could have very easily been Glav. And uh, so that's one thing that I, that I do regret that that didn't happen because, you know, he John went and played where Boston and St. Louis for a little bit in 2009, but, you know, he was still hurt, but uh, I wish that that hadn't happened. But, you know, Smolty had an unbelievable career. He was sometime, you know, you said something about, well, he didn't really let on how bad his shoulder was hurting, but Smolty always had something going on. I mean, uh, we, we never knew how bad it was either because you couldn't tell. Is either he had a hangnail or he had a, he had five bone spurs in his elbow. You couldn't tell the difference with him, and it was funny. He, it's like he always needed something to motivate him. The game wasn't big enough, you know, for him. He had to create some other drama uh, to to be able to to pitch through. So I don't know. His shoulder could have been could have been hanging by a shoestring. Uh, you know, those first good starts, but he he somehow pieced it together and struck out 10 guys. But Smoltz, was just that way. He was pretty amazing. And it is fun to see, to have the, I mean, of course, my, my greatest memories are just the guys that I played played with year in and year out. And I can't imagine what it was. To, they did that for so long, and they ran that team. Uh, for as long as they did, but uh, it was. I wish Smoltzy could have could have come back and thrown one more pitch in 2009 and retired as Atlanta Brave. Yeah, yeah. You did think about it. I mean, it's easy for me to sit here and, and just you know, from my generation or whatever, you, you sit here and go, "Oh, that had the two greatest teammates in, in Braves history." Obviously, you've got Hank and Eddie. That you know, I if. You lived during that era, maybe you say those two guys, but for one franchise, you have two teammates that's actually played together for that length of time. That's pretty incredible. Um, and uh, with with Chipper and Smolty, Greg, you can kind of build on this, even you know, to earlier times than I that I started being around there in the late nineties, but it was like a sibling relationship. I mean, these guys loved each other, but they loved to get on each other's nerves too. <laughs> it, it <laughs> there were, you know, so many yeah. different, uh, they would irritate each other and, you know, now they're, they're golfing together all the time. And, you know, yeah. the, it's like the, the the brothers who have grown up and they're uh, I don't want to say inseparable, but but they love spending time together and they love spending time together then. But at the same time, yeah. uh, they got on each other's nerves at times. But but the relationship was 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 never more than uh, what you expect from from uh, you know two brothers that loved each other. Um, and we were very fortunate to have both of them around to, together for as long as we did. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. You know, and, and a lot of that comes from being fierce competitors. You know, they both. I don't. I don't know if I've been around. Well, of course, John's just off the charts from from a competitive standpoint. You know, John's probably one of the most competitive guys I've ever met, and I'm sure part of that. 
part of that, uh, you know, them kind of getting on each other's nerves is just them wanting to be as good as they could be, wanting the best for the other person, you know, and I'm sure some of that stemmed from that. But just being around them, I could see why, you know, of course, I think anytime you've been around a guy your whole career, uh, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So I think uh, you can always, that's a, it's a pretty tight knit group. When you think about a clubhouse, and of course, you know, Bo, you've been in there for uh, a long time. You've seen these guys, they spend a lot of time together. They're in close quarters. They're traveling together. They're eating together. They're dressing. They're doing a lot of things. They're, they're battling it. And so it's, it's amazing. There's not as much, there's not as much conflict as there is yeah. because there, there really, there really is a lot that can go wrong. Uh, but that's where you really learn to to um, become a good teammate. That's where you learn to really how do you pick the how do you pick your brother up and you you go into battle together. And I think it's just kind of like that military thing. You know, when you you're literally you know you're not it's not life or death. But when you go out on that baseball field, it can feel like that sometimes because you're battling with your brother and he's giving his all. You're giving your all and. And um, it, it really kind of produces a different type of relationship with, with, with teammates over, the, over time. Yeah. Well, we had uh, one moment that I remember, uh, 2007, I think, you know, Braves going through a rough stretch and Chipper was hurt and Smoltz threw a great game against the Tigers. I think we're in town, maybe. Um, but anyhow... <sighs> Chipper hadn't played, and he was kind of it was day to day type of thing. And Smoltz said something after the game. Basically, we need to get our guys back out there on the field. You know, I, I can't remember exactly how he said it, but however he said it, it aired on the radio post game show as Chipper's driving home, and Chipper kind of knew, as we all knew, it was aimed at Chipper. Chipper knew it was aimed at him. <laughs> the next day, he said he, he almost pulled over and puked, and you know, it, it kind of created this little you know media. Uh, type, you know, the, the what is the Smoltz saying this a chipper? Smoltz said it wasn't aimed just a chipper. Bobby did his thing. He, he did exactly what he needed to do. He basically said that O'Brien and I didn't know what the hell we were talking about. And, <laughs> you know, that's what you got to do. O'Brien yeah. and I wear it. It's over. And it, it was it was forgotten after that because uh, but at the same time, I mean, it was that kind of gets back to what you were saying, Greg, just that that intensity, you know, two highly competitive of guys um, and that, hey by the way that intensity hasn't it's not waned in any bit with small no. sent him no. a text the other day and I said uh, game uh, 7 of the 91 World Series is on and uh, he said he said alright I'll watch it and about an hour or two later I get a text and it says man did I get squeezed in that game <laughs> <laughs> that's right yeah oh he'd be great to watch the game with yeah, it wouldn't be any different. <laughs> well, looking back on that 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 game being Smoltz's last uh, win and Chipper hitting the home runs there, me putting my Braves fan hat on. It's when I first became a Braves fan as a kid in '91. I was first old enough to even really start paying attention to sports and being cognizant of them and picking, like deciding who my teams were and that and how that all happens. It's interesting to me to think back that in you said, Bo, you said uh, Chipper, made, they played their first game together in September of 93. So I'd have been around a fifth grader then. And to think that all those years later, 
when I was a fifth grader, I could have been, I was watching Chipper Jones and John Smoltz play baseball together. And then in 2008, I'm a couple years out of college and I could still turn on TBS with Skip and Pete and and Joe, the same guys that were calling the games when I was in fifth grade. All these guys are still there. All the other a lot of other names and, and change and coaches and this, that and the other. But Bobby's in the dugout saying, hey, kid. And Chipper's still batting third. Smoltz is starting once every fifth day. Skip's making his jokes. Of course, Skip went on to pass on later that year. Uh, mm. That to me, I guess I'm kind of romantic it now because looking back on it like you said we didn't know that was going to be his final win in a Braves uniform at that point but in a way that was kind of that year for me anyways in my generation of Braves fans that was kind of the end of this whole group of folks you know because Chipper played a few more years Bobby managed a couple more years but that was used at that point in 2008 opening day 2008 you still had this nucleus of Braves legends really if you're a Braves fan you're looking at it from the the, the dugout to on the field to in the booth and that was kind of the but but it's amazing to think that that core group lasted as long as they did i mean just you just don't see that in any sport any time and that that many folks were around for that long it's it's a special time uh, uh just just for the organization so it's called 14 straight championships that'll do it that's it that'll <laughs> yeah, do it nobody's been on that run <laughs> That'll do it. Well, hopefully whenever we uh, we get this season started, the 2020 season, or whenever we next play baseball, we'll, the Braves will be uh, on on en route to their, their third straight division title. We're hoping we've started no, another streak here. There we go. And that'll be largely in part, I think, or one of the key components of that, of course, will be Ronald Acuna Jr. And that leads us to our last Braves Classic game of April that we're going to be revisiting on all the Braves social channels. Bo's going to be writing about it on Braves.com and MLB.com. Um, Ronald Acuna, he made made his debut April 25th, 2018, but the game that we're going to be revisiting was the next day in Cincinnati, April 26th, when he hit his first home run. That was uh, almost two years ago, and the ball, I think, will be landing here shortly, from what I understand, because that was an absolute blast. I mean, I was working that game from uh, from Atlanta remotely, uh, but that was as soon as the second that he swung it, it even on TV, you knew it was gone. Bo, what do you remember i mean it's still fresh in a lot of our minds so i mean obviously it's kind of what we touched on when we began this this show an hour ago with with talking about the hype for jason hayward there was a lot of hype for ronald acuna and i would say to me at least from my memory i don't know if there's been a more hyped player hayward was pretty darn hyped frenchie was pretty darn hyped mm-hmm. i think acuna to me from my memory i could be wrong just because it's so recent but to me i feel like he was even more hyped than than those guys what do you think you know, it's it's interesting. I mean, it uh, probably. I mean, I think just as time has gone on, that the uh, the access to information about prospects, uh, maybe people have been able to to watch minor league games much more frequently. Uh, yeah, I, I'd say that that it was certainly very comparable hype to, to Jason Hayward, and and um, you know, obviously coming out of spring training, he very easily could have been put on the the opening day roster there and. 2018, you knew it was just a matter of time.
time it you know, got off to the rough start of Quinnette, so maybe that delayed it by his arrival by a week or two. But uh, you know, I'll never forget that that night with just getting done in Cincinnati uh, with probably what was the first or second game of that series, and and he, he got word that the Acuna was coming up the next day, and it, it just that kind of excitement. It, it the news, you know, probably learned it around midnight that night, and that's one of those things where you you know you've got to do your work you write your stories for the next hour or two and um and then you're it's tough to go to sleep because you're so excited about what he's going to do that next day and just seeing uh, the arrival we obviously uh, the homer didn't come until his second game um but i think we all knew it was coming um I, what stands out about it i mean just how far that ball went. I mean, just how monstrous that first home run was. And, you know, the, whoever it was that caught the ball in the stands, I remember I turned to Kevin McAlp and I was like, I talked to that guy when I was walking in here. He said, me too. And <laughs> Gabe Burns said the same thing. And it, I guess in Cincinnati, when you're going into the, the media gate, it's the same entrance as the players. Um, and so a lot of the fans were hanging out there. Anyhow, the, those fans were, were down there and uh, to, you know, yelling out everybody's name, anyhow. Um, but it was just kind of look. The second deck was empty. It, it, that ball was was if that guy was smart to, to be sitting standing up there because he was the only one that was going to get it. But uh, um, yeah, I mean, just a, a special moment. Just to, to, to think once again. Um, it's something that none of us will ever forget. It was, uh, I think, you see, he, Acuna, he's one of 19 players in MLB history uh, at 20 years and 129 days or younger to hit his first home within his first two career games. The only other brave player to do so was Andrew, who was uh, 19 when he did so in his second career game, uh, August 16, 1996. So, um, you know, I, I think that, that's not going to be the last time we we draw comparisons to to accomplishments these two make, uh, especially here during the early parts of uh, Ronald's career. Um, it's been he's been as advertised. He's lived up to the hype, and I think, like you said, Ricky, this is this is the beginning of something special. And, and with the ten year deal, uh, Atlanta's going to see a majority of of what it has the makings to be one of the best careers uh, this game has ever seen. Yeah, and it's it's interesting that you know when I saw Andrew come up, and of course there was there was hype. I don't think it was anything like the you know it wasn't like the Jason Hayward. I think because we talked about earlier, it's just a different time. Our team already had all the hype. We didn't we didn't need to hype up a young kid that was coming up. But um, but Ron, you know you don't see that a whole lot. Andrew obviously lived up to the hype, and um, I'm not sure Jason did, but um, I know that when you think about Ronald, everything that we heard about him. Maybe, maybe not his defense. Maybe we thought his defense was gonna was a little bit further along than it is. But when we talked about him, the power that he had, because he he doesn't look like a. Of course, Andrew was was kind of young and slender too, and Chipper was young. You know, when they're young, he's gonna put on more muscle. But you don't look at him and like, man, this guy's probably got crazy power. You don't think of it that way. But of course, now Cincinnati's a homer dome, so to hit it in the upper deck in Cincinnati's not a crazy feat. But um, but just 
what we've seen from him, not just in Cincinnati, but from everywhere, hitting balls out and right and center and left. And, and I mean, he's got power at all, all park, you know, all part of the park. But I just, I've, I've been struck that, that he, that he is really a good hitter. He, he doesn't just have to hit home runs. And I, hopefully he doesn't get into that mode because I think at one point Andrew did, and I think it actually hurt him where he could have been a lot better, but he sold out to, you know, to, to go for the 50 home runs, which, Hey, that's an unbelievable feat. Not many guys have done that, but, uh, but Ronald's just an overall great player. And, um, and, but I, I was struck that I just didn't, I didn't see the power and it just, when it, when you hit it and it's like, Oh my gosh, how, where'd that come from? It was pretty, pretty amazing. It's, you know, the one thing that just stands out is, all right, back there at Disney, you had the, the big scoreboard, and they had the, the part that jetted out there towards right center. Just the balls that he would hit at over that wall and BP, you're just, just a right-handed hitter doing things, hitting balls further than I've seen a left-handed, you know, you know I've seen just a few of them go over there, there, but uh, from a left-handed hitter, yeah, it's, it's crazy power. I mean, what, what he, what he generates with his hands and, and that bat speed is, is incredible. It really is. I was, I mentioned that I thought he was more, more hype than Hayward. And as I was, as I was thinking about it, I was like, well, that's partially not true because we were mentioning how the, the hype with Hayward started on draft night, whereas Ronald, of course, was an international signing. And I was like, well, when was the, I was trying to think, when was the first time I even heard the name Ronald Acuna Jr.? Like when, when did that start? Cause I mean, and, and just, full transparency here it's it's i try to keep up with our minor league system as best i can and all i keep up with all the top prospects and top 30 you know i'm usually pretty familiar with that top 30 beyond that it starts getting a little you know only some guys i've heard of so and i was thinking back and i think it was would have been spring training 2016 when chipper was down there uh you know he usually comes down and does a week or two of instruction and just visiting at spring training and i think bo you guys usually ask him or somebody in the one of the beat guys usually asks him for maybe somebody that he's he's taken note of or something somebody that we're not talking about or however however you guys would would phrase that and he said the name ronald acuna and i think he actually even said it acuna because at that point i mean we didn't even know how you how you said it really and um and so that was when i started paying attention and then of course he with ronald's play everybody else uh, we all started paying attention shortly thereafter so i guess the hype would have only been for me anyways if that was in fact spring train 2016 then we're talking two years at the most whereas hayward was three years and it was immediate from day one draft night so yeah, I mean, I think I think from a long-standing standpoint, maybe Hayward, but what Acuna did in 2017, um, I, I think that generated maybe, you know, if I had to guess, it maybe that was a little bit more, or every bit as much at least uh, as the hype that surrounded mm-hmm. Hayward entering 2010. Um, and plus, you had the, uh, you know, the the what was also fueling it was. Should he be placed on the opening day roster? And, right. you know, obviously that that uh, that wasn't going to happen. But at the same time, that fueled some of the the discussion leading up to to what was his first season as well. Yeah, I think with Hayward, I think we were pro- some of the hype was we were projecting a lot of things that were going to happen. Whereas the 2017 season Acuna had was more of like 
I mean, we're seeing what was going to happen with this guy. Um, so that debut in Cincinnati, I remember that night, you said it was around midnight, and that's correct, when that news started breaking that he was coming up. I got a text that that was happening, and I was kind of hoping they were going to let us uh, uh, break it from the team account before you guys got it, but that was literally like 90 seconds later, and you had it. So <laughs> that was uh, <laughs> that was uh, that was all for naught on my part. But uh, that was so exciting. It was the same deal. I got that text. I was laying in bed, still awake, and then it was like, oh, man, I can't go to sleep now because this is happening. It's happening tomorrow, and it's just uh, – for me, both as a fan, that's one thing that hasn't changed for me, both from being the fan side and now working in the game. A big-time debut is – one of my favorite moments it was i love it when a prospect comes up make his day makes his debut whether however hyped he is or not i love big league debuts it's just fun it's it ends up being a lot of times like the memories that we're gonna that, that will last for forever by the way guys as i've mentioned i'm at my parents house and i am currently fending off a cat that is <laughs> hang on let me show you i have been trying to pet this cat to keep it from nice. jumping up on the mixing board for the last 15 minutes and <laughs> She finally did. So I wish you could teach a cat to sit, but you can't. So anyways, um, this is what this is work from. This is what working from home during this time. That's right. That's right. Live animals, uh, weird, (laughs) weird things creeping through the microphones. It's like Tiger King. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We we do have a little Tiger King in us, us mass family. There's a bunch of cats running around here. So I shouldn't say a, a little Tiger King in us. That's not a that's not good for any of us. So. <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much. This has been fun. I, I Again, I highly encourage all Braves fans out there in Braves country to check out these classic games. We're streaming them on all Bra- on the Braves social channels, and we'll be putting out clips and quotes and all that kind of stuff. Definitely check out Bo's work on Braves.com and MLB.com. He's going to be writing stuff about these classic games. Of course, he was there for uh, most of them, at least this, these, this April list. So, uh, Bo, thank you for joining us and sharing your memory. Uh, Greg, thank you for putting up with me for yet another episode of Behind the Braves presented by Billy Reed. And uh, final thoughts from from each of y'all, Bo? I'm really looking forward to this. I mean, I think we've we've seen a lot of great games on various uh, media outlets, but but this is uh, uh, some some truly memorable moments that that, uh, created in games that people might not remember everything that that happened and like greg said he you know even uh getting a chance to see some some familiar faces back in uniform uh it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun to watch well we're we're truly blessed with um being able to watch quality baseball over the years and having some great memories like this uh, as much as i hate not the seat this season not going on right now this is as good as it gets um kind of second place for that so I, i'm looking forward to it too i won't say that i wanted to keep going on because that means uh, other things aren't happening in in uh, braves country but uh, i'm going to enjoy this month uh, watching these games and and uh, it'll bring back some great memories absolutely couldn't have said it better myself well thank you again guys and thank you to all of you out there for listening for mark bowman and greg mcmichael i'm ricky mast we'll see you next time on behind the break Hey, Braves country. We just wanted to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe Behind the Braves presented by Billy Reed on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Braves.com slash Behind the Braves, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves.
It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.